Good morning. Welcome to the Synopsis. I'm your host, Jason. Today we're going to dive into part four of my series that uh, does a critique of all of the Metallica albums. So we are going to be moving on to their fourth studio album this morning. And this album is called And Justice For All. Kind of a quick overview before I jump into this particular album. It's been hailed by some of the band members themselves that this is their their first real big dive into politics, if you will. Um, so this is kind of seen as a very political album. Um, I can't remember which band member. I want to say it was Lars Ulrich, but maybe uh, Kirk Hammett. One of them said that uh, this is like their CNN political uh, news take album, if you will. So what, what, what he meant by that is this album was was kind of crafted and, and, and written based off of important stories that they were watching on CNN. And so they thought, you know what, this is an important topic on, on CNN, so we're going to turn around and we're going to write a song about it. We're going to put our two cents worth in there. So um, that is kind of the, uh, the slight background behind this uh, particular album in terms of it being, you know, just kind of a shift from uh, some of its previous, uh, the, some of the previous albums and the, the lyrical uh, context behind that, those uh, other songs on those other albums. Um, you also see their first major line change in terms of the, the band membership. As those of you who are avid uh, Metallica fans know that following uh, the, the success of Master of Puppets, shortly thereafter in 1986, the bassist for Metallica, Cliff Burton, was uh, tragically lost in a bus accident in Sweden while the band was touring. And so this album features for the first time their new bassist uh, Jason Newstead so that's kind of like a, a big turning point I would say in the band Metallica and they talk about this quite frequently too you know they were really close with uh, with Cliff Burton and even though he may not have been very active in a lot of their lyrical um, production he was definitely involved in it with a lot of the uh the musical side of things. So he's not really credited much on the lyrical side, but uh, they do mention that he is far more active in terms of, you know, writing the music and helping them uh, um, craft their songs in that regard, especially when it comes to uh, their instrumentals, as you'll see on this instrumental in this on this album, posthumously. Uh, um, credited to Cliff Burton. Um, so that's kind of the back story behind this album is it's not only is it a very political album, but it's also one of their first attempts at group therapy following the loss of their close friend and bassist Cliff Burton. So, and Justice for All came out on August 25th, 1988. So, earlier this month, a whole bunch of years ago, a long time ago. Um, as I mentioned before, the only lineup change for the band members was 
Jason Newstead replacing the late Cliff Burton on bass. Otherwise, a lot of their music, you know, it, you can tell they're they're still evolving. You know, in this case, without Cliff Burton kind of helping them out, but you can see how they are still evolving their their style, if you were, will. Um, one of the big criticisms and one of the big accolades that is, is kind of uh, presented about Metallica is their, their range, they, their ability to, you know, show their range as, as artists, whether it be in, in lyrical topics or their music or just the vocals. They have a, a wide range, as you will definitely see in the ne- in the upcoming albums that that uh, come out in the '90s. Uh, some people say they sold out. Other people say that hey, it's just them showing that they have a, a wide range of musical interests, and they're not afraid to express themselves in these alternative ways, and not just pigeonhole themselves into one particular style that is thrash metal, so um, I appreciate them for that ability to demonstrate their wide range as musicians, and not just pigeonhole themselves into one narrow band of musical genius, if you will, so um, you kind of see that in this album, Uh, one of the criticisms up front overall about this album that I have is... There seems to be a lot of reverberation in some of their songs. I don't know if it's just the recording of it or if they did it on purpose. But when you actually listen to the uh, the, the studio track, it seems like there's a lot of reverberation in the background that kind of gives it a weird uh, echoing uh, um, effect while they are playing their music. So um, it's a small little detractor that I have, but overall I still really enjoy this album. Uh, for the longest time, especially in high school, it was definitely one of my favorites. In fact, it was probably the second, I'm going to say the second album I, I purchased of theirs way back in the day. When it came to merchandise, I got a you know a, a band t-shirt from Metallica, and uh, Justice for All was my favorite one. Did like it because it was very political, even though that tends to be nowadays a very uh, negative thing to bestow upon a band as they are quote unquote too political. But I didn't realize that artists were considered second class citizens who were not allowed to express their politics. So um, I like the album. Is it one of my favorites in terms of? ranking? Probably not. Definitely not, as Master of Puppets, I think, has a higher ranking than uh, Justice for All, but I do enjoy this album. So, without further ado, time to jump into Justice for All and kind of go through some of their songs. First up on the list, and as well as their track list, is the song Blackened, written by Hetfield, Ulrich, and Newstead. And this is really about environmental destruction and the extinction of humanity with undertones about nuclear winter and nuclear holocaust and that whole thing. Uh, you got to keep in mind this is in the late 80s, so the Cold War is still 
going on pretty uh, pretty intensely. And so this kind of harkens back to the idea of mutually assured destruction, mad. A very uh, poignant topic that was very important back in the 80s and I'd say even 90s and even until today because there are still nuclear powers out there and there are still other powers out there that are seeking to gain nuclear power. So um, it's still a very important discussion, still a very important issue, and nonetheless, this is a song about them basically pointing out the hubris of humanity and the asinine concept of mutually assured destruction and the inevitable conclusion to that ideology in that the world is blackened and humanity has now been ejected from existence because we have basically nuked the world into uh, a desolate wasteland, scarring it, if you will, blackening it, if you will. So, uh, definitely a really great song. It's one of my favorites on the album. I rank it a four out of four right now. It's one of my favorites. Um, we'll see if it makes the, the top 10 of my favorites and get a ranking of 5 towards the end of the uh, year. But that's kind of where I'm at right off the bat. A really solid song. Uh, number 2 on the album is the, the self, self-titled uh, track, song, and album, and Justice for All. And the easiest way to conclude this, the synopsis of this song is it's about corruption and greed that is found in our political system. Um, more directly, it's aimed at the judicial system and how it is corrupted by greed and money, but it can also be seen as a much larger uh, critique of how our political system in general is very corrupted by greed, by money, by uh, nefarious actors. Um, This is a topic that continues on even to today, whether it's justly or unjustly applied to uh, certain uh, events that are going on today. The biggest one I can think of right now is the the Trump indictments and uh, the the cause of unjust behavior that is being uh, hurled out there by his followers. And so, uh, greed and corruption in our political system is still a very hot topic item. It's still very polarized, very biased, um, but it's an important topic nonetheless. And I think that the, uh, the Metallica members do a really good job of expressing their, their opinion about this particular topic very poignantly in this song. It's a very heavy song. Uh, you know, it kind of reminds me a lot of their Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets days. Just like Blackened, you know, they're kind of, in a way, returning to their hard roots. Uh, even going back as far as Kill Em All as well. So, you know, I think not only are they using this album to kind of expand forward and outward, but it also as a, a, an opportunity to kind of recollect and say, hey, Here's our roots. Here's where we we were where we started from. We haven't forgotten it. We can still do it. Here's some uh, real uh, uh, knee uh, slappers that will get you going. And uh, they start off this album 
with two really great songs. Even though I like Injustice for All, I like the topic, I like the lyrical uh, uh, context of it. I rank it a three. I like the song, but it's not one of my favorites. Uh, it definitely was one of my favorites a couple decades ago when I was in high school and college. Um, but over the years, over the decades, my uh, tastes have changed. I, I like other songs more so than this one now. Other songs still remain in there. For example, Blackened. Um, I've always liked Blackened over the, the song Justice for All. And uh, that still remains true to this day. Um, but that doesn't detract away from the song Justice for All. I think it's still a great song. Highly recommend people give it a listen and really kind of sit down and critique how it still applies to today's world. Uh, moving on is the song Eye of the Beholder, written by Hetfield, Ulrich, and Hammett. Not a very uh, popular song. I mean, it, it was the uh, kind of the, 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 the naming convention of one of their singles that came out uh, early on in their Injustice for All Days. But still not a very popular song compared to other tracks that are on this album. And what the song is about is the suppression of freedom of speech or expression and as well as the censorship of what of the truth basically so it has a very uh, 1982 vibe or 1984 vibe or whatever that uh, that uh, book is called I want to say it's 1984 so it's got that kind of vibe to it you know about how the government and the uh, powers that be in our society are purposefully trying to censor the truth as well as censor our rights when it comes to freedom of speech and freedom of, of expression. Uh, I rank this song a two. I'm indifferent about it. Uh, I do like the uh, the lyrical topic, the, the context behind it. Uh, the music behind it uh, I don't think is the greatest, but I don't dislike it either. I'm so I, 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 I'll listen to it, but I'm not going to change the song if I, if I hear it come on the radio. I do, however, think that the topic at hand is still very important and is still a very important topic even today. There seems to be a lot of biased, partisan finger-pointing at political opponents about the, the other team, if you will, doing this. But I think both sides have a pretty good uh, uh, history of doing this whether it's together or separate the main example I can think of of liberals and conservatives joining hands to uh, suppress freedom of speech and freedom of expression is in the late 80s and 90s when I was growing up as a kid and you know teen was the whole parental advisory sticker that uh Democrats and Republicans teamed up to uh, slap on uh, musicians for uh, talking about certain items, certain topics that they felt was inappropriate or taboo, as well as merely using swear words. And so the parental advisory for music came out, the whole uh, rating system for TV shows and uh, movies came out, you know, the whole GPG 
NC17, PG13, RX, X, whatever. That, all that stuff came about as a means to justify censoring freedom of speech and freedom of expression on behalf of governments as well as certain uh, other political and economic entities, corporate entities. So, um, it's an important topic, but at the same token, not my favorite way that they chose to express this, this topic. So I give Eye of the Beholder a two. Moving on is the, in the, in, on the album is the fourth song titled One, written by Hetfield and Ulrich. Perhaps one of my favorite songs. I, if it, 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 it's probably in my top three. I'm just going to put that out there right away. Um, but I guess we'll find out towards the end of the year when I kind of do a, a, a top ten list of my favorite Metallica songs of all the songs that are ranked four. Because um, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure one is ranked up there, if not number one. But uh, at one point in my life, in my uh, teens, you know, in high school and college, it not, the song one was my number one song. So we'll see towards the end of the year if that remains true today. But one is a, an anti-war song about the horrors that were imposed upon a soldier during battle. Uh, it's heavily influenced by the book Johnny Got His Gun by Donald Trumbo. Uh, Trumbo was blacklisted during the Red Scare as being a communist by the McCarthyites and other uh, ultra-conservative uh, thought police. Because he spoke out against World War One, he thought that uh, World War One was wrong. He thought that the United States was uh, um, doing exactly what the song "Eye of the Beholder" talked about: censoring the truth and oppressing freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And so he came out with "Johnny Got His Gun." It was a novel. It was later done into a movie, and uh, Metallica the song one that Metallica came out with was heavily influenced by that book, by that movie. In fact, the movie is all, some clips from this movie is, a, is also placed into the music video one, which if I recall correctly, one is the first music video that uh, Metallica came out with. Uh, they weren't too keen on the idea of music videos back in the day, so they wanted to, their first music video to be as anti-music video as they could, so they came out with one, and then later on they came out with a uh, an updated version of it with the uh, clips to Johnny Got His Gun in the background behind the music, just beautifully done, it's very dark, very melancholy, very sorbid uh, um, song, but I think it just hits the nail on the head perfectly, I mean this, this song to me is the bee's knees. And like it, it, it's it's basically a continuation on it's probably I would say part three of their anti-war trilogy that focuses not only on being anti-war but also pointing out the, 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 the devastation, the horror that is imposed on soldiers who are thrown into these horrific war situations and are destroyed mentally, physically, and emotionally as a result. 
started off with For Whom the Bell Tolls on Ride the Lightning. Part two was Disposable Heroes, and now part three in this little mini trilogy here, if you will, is the song one. Very great song. Definitely need to listen to it. Um, the next song on the li- on the album is The Shortest Straw by Hetfield and Ulrich. And this song is about socio-political censorship for holding dissenting positions or views that isn't considered to be mainstream or popular. Um, this is kind of a more of a direct uh, uh, criticism of blacklisting, especially during the Red Scare. Um, and to be honest, you can really look at this song uh, today too, because today's version of that is cancel culture and uh, silencing or, or uh, all these other new uh, nicknames for this whole idea of uh, censorship. Um, it doesn't, the, the song doesn't really, you know, highlight too terribly much whether sen- that, that censorship is good or bad based off of what is being censored. Um, it just talks about how it's wrong to censor for having differing social, socio-political positions, which in a very general sense, yeah, very true. However, um, kind of like how the eye of the beholder goes, where what is considered to be appropriate is also kind of being pushed by government standards and not our own individual standards. But, uh, um, you know, it's about censorship. It's about uh, not being able to express yourself and your views as freely as you'd like to. And given today's uh, political landscape, I think that's still a very important topic to discuss. Uh, Though I think that means that this freedom should be absolute with no strings attached, no no repercussions for one's uh, decisions and one's uh, vocalizations of one's opinions. I... I don't think it should be absolute. I think there should be some recourse that can be taken. Um, freedom of expression and freedom of speech does not should not uh, mean a freedom from consequences for said speech or expression. Um, but I think it's still an important topic nonetheless. Um, shortest straw, I give it a two. Uh, I do think that it's a very important topic to be discussed. Do I think it was... Um, portrayed or uh, discussed in, in the right manner. From my perspective, not really, but I do think that they did a good job of expressing their opinion on it. Um, so I, I give it to, I just, you know, I think that it could be done better, but then again, it is their way of expressing their opinion, so I can't really knock them for that. So, um, I rank it a two. I don't dislike it. I don't like it. I'm neutral on it. I'll listen to it. It's a, you know, like I said, it's a good topic to discuss. Um, but I'm not going to change the, the, the song or change the station if I hear it playing on the radio or if it comes up on a random shuffle on my, uh, um, on my playlist. So uh, moving on to the sixth song. It's A Harvester of Sorrow, once again by Hetfield and Ulrich. And it's basically about how childhood trauma can lead to adult behavioral issues. Uh, 
whether it's domestic abuse, becoming a serial killer, developing psychoses, or just other forms of abuse. Uh, basically, it just discusses how childhood trauma can lead to, uh, uh, can basically parlay over into adult trauma and how these, uh, these issues carry forward from childhood into adulthood. And if they aren't properly addressed, then bad things will happen. Hence domestic abuse, hence the uh, discussion leading to, uh, you know, serial killers who uh, chop up their families, you know, stuff like that. So uh, really what it's talking about is uh, mental health issues, you know, childhood trauma and being able to have a system in place that can adequately help treat children as well as adults for these basically PTSD situations that they will experience in their life. I rank it a three. I like the song. I think it's a very good topic to be had. I think it's something that's still very important to talk about today as we see more and more people in American society having mental health issues, not being, not getting the proper treatment, not being able to fully address the trauma that they may have experienced in childhood. And now as a result, they're carrying that trauma forward into adulthood. Um, and I think a, lot of, a large part of it has to deal with uh, the stigma that's placed on, oh, what's wrong with you if you got mental health issues? So I think there's there's that, that stigma of, you know, ridiculing and demonizing the person who has developed these mental health issues because of the traumas they've experienced and basically blaming them for not just being able to uh, man up and deal with it like a man. But it seems like that's kind of a pretty toxic uh, view because it's not the solution that's properly addressing the situation. It's not a proper solution. And, uh, and so I think it's a very important discussion to be had. I do appreciate that the band is able to address this, situ- this, this topic in a way that, um, is meaningful, that, that can, that can paint a picture of what poor solutions will, will end up looking like. Uh, the seventh song on the album is Frayed Ends of Sanity by Hetfield, Hammett, and Ulrich. And this is really about the mental breakdown that somebody suffers as a result of a failure that they've, they've uh, experienced. You know, this could be, you know, they, they, they feel like they failed at their job or at, at their marriage or basically in life. And as a result, mental, uh, a breakdown in mental health occurs. So once again, this kind of goes back to, you know, mental health issues and how we cope properly or improperly when it comes to uh, dealing with setbacks that we experience in life. I think that's very important because to be honest, I see this in in American politics and American culture even today. You know, there seems to be this um, um, breakdown in our country's collective mental health because people perceive that they are not 
succeeding in life. And as a result, they have mental breakdowns. They start blaming the wrong people and just horrible ideologies come out of it. And I think that's important to address, to be honest. I think that we really need to talk about um, addressing these, these issues because, to be honest, it's it's become a, a key piece of one of our political parties' platforms is feeding off of this mental breakdown that a certain group of people is having and they have crafted talking points, you know, the silent majority or let's take our country back type of attitude, you know. Um, that's where a lot of this stems from. It's that people are recognizing that they're starting to not succeed in, in, in the endeavors they've set out for. And as a result, it causes mental breakdown. But instead of properly dealing with this particular item, they instead go about addressing it in very toxic, very negative ways. And it only snowballs affects this particular uh, topic, makes it worse, because they're not getting the proper treatment for it. They're not getting the proper solutions for it. And as a result, that we're seeing, you know, this this idea of our society being at, at the, at, at it, it's gone insane. It, it's, it's fraying, you know, because we have allowed, you know, the, these, these problems to, to, to fester and we haven't done anything about it. So I think Freight Ends is a really great song. I rank it a four. It's, it's, uh, one of my favorites on the album. And to be honest, it, I think it's something that, uh, we all can we can all can relate to we've all had that experience in life where we have had a failure and then it just causes us some sort of emotional distress it doesn't have to be like full on depression or full on uh, psychotic breakdown or anything like that you know but we're all, we've all been there we've all had that that situation come up in life where we're like I'm going to achieve this goal. I'm successful. I'm doing great. And then all of a sudden, shit happens. And we we fail or we lose our positioning in life or something happens. And it gives us some mental strife. It gives us some emotional uh, um, uh, scarring, you know. And... I think what this song does is it, it really uh, looks into it, you know. It really uh, says, hey, here's what can really go wrong if you don't properly address this situation. So, um, great song. Definitely want to uh, uh, prop it up as much as I can. You know, it talks about mental health issues, so I think that's a really good topic to be had. So, uh, moving on, eighth song on the album is To Live Is To Die, and it is kind of a collection of works, if you will, surrounding the death of Cliff Burton. It's kind of like a montage, a uh, immemorial to him, if you will, so a lot of the the, uh, the music is kind of, is based around some of this, the, the content he was working on. And 
the, the spoken word poem that's at the end is a collection of uh, sayings from other works of art as well as some additional words of insight that uh, Cliff Burton decided to uh, um, add into it to give his own twist to it. Um, and it's also the, just the music itself. It, it highlights that, that full range of, of grief and sorrow of losing somebody. Um, and so I think that the band members do a really good job of being able to, um, capture a lot of these aspects into this instrumental and really, you know, make it a tribute to Cliff Burton and as well as express their sorrow and their grief and the wide range of emotions that come when you lose somebody like that. Um, probably one of my favorite instrumentals and, uh, so I think it just, it's, I think it, it, it speaks volumes as to the kind of musician that uh, Cliff Burton was. So definitely should check it out just for that aspect alone. Um, I think that the uh, spoken word poem that's in the song is very, uh, um, you know, it's, it's very profound. I think it's, it speaks a lot about, you know, the experiences of life that, uh, are so, I think, beautifully articulated in so few words, you know, there's only like four lines to it, and, uh, I think it captures everything, you know, keep it simple, and, and that's where you're gonna find the most beauty in it, and I think they did a good job with this uh, instrumental, so, and then the last song on the album is a song, Dyer's Eve, this is written by, um, Hetfield, Ulrich, and Hammett, I give it a three. I like the song. Uh, I do have a little bit of uh, um, experience with the, the topic of this song. And basically what this song is about is the emotional trauma surrounded being raised by ultra-religious parents. Um, James Hetfield was uh, raised by ultra-conservative uh, Christians. And basically the um, that upbringing that... Uh, experience that he had was a very, uh, traumatic experience for him. And so this is kind of his first attempt at really expressing that trauma that he experienced uh, growing up dealing with his overly religious parents. Um, like I said, something I can relate to. It's something that I have a similar background in, probably not as, as bad as what he experienced, but still, uh, there is that, that bit of, uh, PTSD that's there, whether, uh, his level that he's experienced or my level and my, my experiences, um, g- good song to listen to. Uh, I rank it a three. I like it. Is it one of my favorites? Um, probably not anymore, but, uh, definitely at least a decade or so ago, it would, would have been one of my favorites. Uh, overall, how do I, I, I uh, critique this album or how do I grade it? Uh, based off of all the, the scores that I provided, it's about a 3.2 average, um, which I think is pretty, um, a pretty solid critique of this album. Um, I do like that it's considered to be their CNN or, or political album due to its lyrical themes. You know, it's talking about, uh, injustices in the, in the political system, injustices in our mental health system and how we deal with it. It talks about the injustices, the, uh, 
the craziness of, of, of our uh, global politics and how we're willing to basically sacrifice the only livable planet that we know of that we that that we can gain access to for asinine political positions um it talks about the the trauma that we experience from interpersonal relationships as as children and adults um you know this would be considered a quote-unquote woke album by uh, certain uh groups of people today but i think it's a really i think it's a really well-written album uh, i think the lyrics are great overall i think it's you know justly at a 3.2 you know they got some real bangers but they also got some you know slight duds but hey you know the the, the attempt is there i like that they are willing to tackle these issues they're not afraid to quote-unquote get political about it and uh, that's what i like about this album I also like to, the, that the album continues to display that the band is continuing to, to widen their uh, their range of music. They're not afraid to push the boundaries. They're not afraid to incorporate new genres or different genres into their music, and yet at the same time still be able to be thrash and heavy and metal. You know, so uh, that's what I like about uh, this album is it's it's kind of a continued story of the growth and development of Metallica as an entity. You know, these four members that are inputting their own personal isms into the band to make it its own entity, if you will, make it its own living musical being. Um, And we kind of briefly get to see a new injection in that in terms of Jason Newstead and his role that he has started with the band over the next decade or so. And so uh, it's nice to, to see how the band is able to evolve, not only musically, but also with in, interjecting a new member into their uh, into their band. So um, that is my critique of And Justice For All, their fourth studio album. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware of Metallica's work, definitely check them out. You know, they're, they're really, they're a good classic thrash metal band, you know, Still in the 80s, their their uh, their freshman decade, if you will, and uh, um, definitely definitely worth listening to, I think. So, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Detailing Mind. I hope you enjoy what remains of your week end, and that uh, you have a really great uh, rest of your week as well. So, um, thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>